amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Southeast and Albany. My guest today is Robert Maripol, and my friend Robert Maripol has been on several times in the past. And he is going to talk about the impeachment of Donald Trump. And he's going to reflect on his childhood a little bit. So how how have you been, Robert? Well, I think that, you know, it's been a very distressing few weeks uh, to watch the farce going on in Washington. Um, And and so it's it is. uh, And then to be uh, have that uh, complimented if I can use that word, by uh, the Democratic debacle in uh, Iowa, uh, you know, right. it just leaves you scratching your head and saying, are, are, we really, are we really going down this road? Is, is this what we have to face for the next uh, five years? Um, it's, uh, well, we don't know, of course, uh, but it has certainly been a distressing couple of weeks. So as you listen to this and you think of, you think back to your childhood and I've asked you this question before, is it very upsetting? Well, you know, first of all to, you know, make it clear to your listening audience that uh, though my name is Robert Mirapol, I was born Robert Rosenberg, and my parents, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg, were arrested, charged with conspiracy to commit espionage, giving the the charge. That's the charge, which was vague, but the thing that was presented to the public was that they stole the secret of the atom bomb and gave it to the Soviet Union, um, and they were executed when I was six years old in, in June of 1953, and one of the chief architects of this, their entire prosecution was attorney Roy Cohn, who later went on to work with, with um, McCarthy in, in, in the Senate and finally uh, became uh, the lawyer for Donald Trump's father and Donald Trump. And Trump, you know, basically learned his counterpunching and attack mode and never admit anything and always charge everybody else with what they're charging you with all of those tactics from uh, Roy Cohn. And, and, and I, I, it's, what's disturbing to me is, is the, you know, here is Donald Trump using the tactics taught to him by the person who engineered my parents' deaths or one of those people. Um, and in order to protect himself from, you know, in this case, uh, aiding Russia, uh, as opposed to my parents, uh, who were charged with aiding the Soviet Union. It's like it's come around full circle, and uh, he, it's being used for Trump to get away 
with the kind of things that my parents were executed for. Now, it's not really the same thing. But when you look at that, you, you, the, the irony of it is just, is just overwhelming. And, and you, you've got to wonder about, you know, who are the people who are supporting Trump? Because, you, you know, you, you come right down to it's sort of hard uh, to get beyond what Trump said. You know, if I killed somebody on Fifth Avenue, my supporters would still say I was innocent. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this is the, you know, that kind of stick your head in the sand. Uh, I'm, you know, back in the early 19th century, there was a political party who were called themselves the know nothings. Um, and mm-hmm. they were so reactionary, they knew nothing. Uh, and I think we've got a whole bunch of active know nothings. Uh, and the way, our system is set up. I mean, I don't doubt looking at the 2020 election. I would be willing to bet with anybody and give them long odds that uh, the Democratic uh, nominee is going to win the popular vote. Uh, But whether that means they're going to win uh, the electoral vote is another Mm -hmm. matter. Um, and the effect of voter suppression and all those kind of things are, are, are you know, um, uh, are going to dominate uh, the electoral cycle. So the reality is, is that, uh, yes, it's terrible, the, the Trump inviting all these foreign powers to interfere in our elections. But the reality is we do it with everybody else. And there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more internal interference, voter suppression and, and, and you know, dirty tricks of one sort or another. Uh, that, so the whole election's going to be thoroughly tainted. Um, and, you know, we are uh, in some ways you could say our system of government is in, is in crisis now uh, because it's no longer functioning uh, as it was supposed to function. And it looks like it's it's it looks like a car out of control careening off a cliff. You know, the thing that I I sort of reflect on history, um when when this transpired with your parents, the mm-hmm. Soviet Union was allied with the United States at that time. They were allies in their hope to defeat Nazism. Okay, so when they were brought on trial, how, you know, I find it really hard to uh, wrap my head around it. How can you execute somebody for helping an ally? Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. over the years, over the years, you know, we have been at in an adversarial situation, and Putin is isn't very, you know, kind and and wonderful, and he's using Trump to his advantage. I just find the whole thing so mind-boggling. Well, you know, uh, I think it was in Watergate where someone famously said, follow the money. Uh, right. And in, 
in Trump's situation, he's he's it's the money, uh, the involvement of the very wealthy, uh, you know, billionaires and and people with hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars, whether they be in Russia or the United States, uh, the interactions of those people as Trump has been, you know, trying to bolster his his the difficulties he had with bankruptcies and other things in his real estate empire. Uh, he, you know, he he got in in financial bed with uh, with Russian money, uh, and uh, you know these crooked these crooked manipulations are at the bottom of everything that he's doing, um, and. I think it's pretty obvious, uh, and some of his supporters just refuse to see it, and others don't care because they also are benefiting in one way or another from his policies. Uh, so we we have we have a crook who's president, uh, and uh, you know for I there's all sorts of you know people who talk about political ideologies and this that. For me, the bottom line with Donald Trump and what we face now is that he's a crook um, and he's going to manipulate the system to benefit him in as any way that he possibly can uh, and that's what we're left with the Democrats on the other hand are floundering about trying to uh, to to deal with him now you know that said I'm not as pessimistic I think Cynthia as you are about the Democrats' chances. Uh, um, and, and that is because, you know, all we have right now is polling. Uh, uh, you know, the Iowa caucus was, was such a joke. Who, who knows what it means? But today we have right. the first presidential primary, and we're going to actually see some votes. And what we should be looking for in the, in the, in the Democratic primaries are two things. Uh, one of course, is who comes out on top, uh, which candidates are doing better. And two is the voter turnout. And actually, two is more important than one uh, in that uh, the way the Democrats are going to win, if the Democrats are going to win in November, it's going to require massive voter turnout. Um, That's, you know, the more people vote, the better it is for them. Uh, and so we look at these primaries and we need to compare the number of people voting in the New Hampshire primary in 2020 to the number of people who voted in 2016. Uh, and if that number goes up, it's a good sign for the Democrats. If the number goes down, it's a bad sign. Uh, and that's <clears throat> that's what I'm going to be watching pretty closely um, because that's 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 absolutely critical. If the Democrats can't turn out their base and energize voters, uh, they're not going to win. With uh, Bernie Sanders in, you know, they're saying first place and and he's up there and the establishment does not want Bernie Sanders and they're going to do everything within their power to make sure he doesn't win. This uh, mm-hmm. face right there. If if um, they they cut the legs from under him and they pitch somebody else, there's mm-hmm. a lot of 
going to be a lot of disaffected people in this country. So I'm not mm-hmm. so sure. I'm not so optimistic as you are. Yeah, well, I think that you put you you hit the nail on the head. If the Democratic National Committee manages through its bias and dirty tricks and the media who, you know, they've they're doing everything they possibly the only reason for my optimism is that you're right, they're going to do everything they can to cut the legs out from under Bernie Sanders. Uh, but they've already been doing that. They've been doing that constantly for the last year, and he's still gaining momentum. So that, you know, that's where my optimism comes from. If, however, as you project, the Democratic Party succeeds in knocking his legs out from under him and ends up nominating a what I would call a white bread candidate, um, then you will uh, you know then you will have a huge number of disaffected people uh, and the chances of Trump winning will go up uh, greatly and that's uh, and of course unfortunately that's not under any of our control the internal machinations that the Democrats go through in order if they you know if they resort to cheating and cheating results in uh, a a middle of the road nominee, uh, I think they are quite possibly doomed, and that that's that's a very distressing scenario. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree, and that that's why I believe they're propping up uh, Michael Bloomberg because he's mm-hmm. buying his way into this. Yep. Yeah, and that's you know that's I mean it was it astounded me when I've seen national the latest national polls and again I I we have to take the polls with a grain of salt, um, and you know it's always a useful exercise to take a look at what the polls predicted would happen and then see what's what does happen because a lot of times mm-hmm. what does happen overwhelms the polling so much that people forget, uh, but. You know, there's uh, what the polls say and what actually happens are often two different things, and and we should be aware of that. Uh, So, you know, given that, but still, I look at the polls and I see nationally Bloomberg suddenly approaching 15% support. And I think, you know, here's some guy who, I guess what I think is is that the people, even, you know, the people on the Democratic side, who were giving him this 15% of the vote are being influenced by all his ads. And it reminds me that, you know, all of us, uh, some, you know, subconsciously have been manipulated to respond to advertising. Um, you know, advertising is a science and the science is figures out how to manipulate human beings into getting them to do what you want them to do and make them think that that's what they want to do. Uh, uh, The creation of desire uh, so that, you know, we all buy all these products we absolutely must have, even though we lived quite well without them just a few years ago. Um, And so the same kind of techniques applied politically to advertising somehow can gather 15% of Democrats to suddenly say they want this billionaire because they've seen his ads. And, and, you know, that too is very distressing. 
Uh, yep. You know, it's like I we're agree. all a bunch of Manchurian candidates. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that, so, that, that, uh, that manipulation seems to work. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're, you're hopeful that that the – I can't say they're good guys because they, they're both – they're, the they're both being funded by the same people, right? <laughs> the yeah. same well, not Bernie Sanders, but yeah. Not Bernie right. Sanders, uh, or Elizabeth Warren, for that matter, and and those people are you know fighting from the outside in, and I I support that. I I do want to say, Cynthia, that that there, uh-huh. rather than just talking abstractly, I think there are there is a practical way to help, um, and I've gotten involved and been supportive of something called the Movement Voter Project. Um, it's a very interesting national project, and I live in Northampton, Massachusetts, and actually was started by somebody in Northampton, it's, it's, but it's national. And it channels millions of dollars uh, into grassroots organi- uh, organizations that are working to get out the vote for progressive candidates all across the country. Um, and... It, that's and and what it does is for someone like me in in many ways I'm effectively disenfranchised. I live in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is going to vote for whoever the Democratic Party candidate is, whether I vote or not. So you know, and I'm certainly not going to vote for Trump. So uh, so in some ways, it, I, I'm in terms of the presidential election, I might as well stay home. Not that I plan to. But because of the way our electoral college system works, that's that's where we're at. But if uh, but this the movement voter project enables me to go to a website, look at groups all across the country organizing around these important political issues and particularly get out the vote campaigns and give money to those organizations. Um, And by doing that. We build progressive infrastructure. We, in you know, when you just give to a candidate, that's a good thing if you support that candidate. But but Mm -hmm. the vast majority of that money is going to go into a television ad and disappear. If you give to an organization on the ground working with people around issues, you get voters involved, you get people activated, and then you have an organization that is going to be on the ground pushing the candidate if they succeed in getting them elected. All of that Mm -hmm. is, you know, doing that kind of thing is a way to work around the whole electoral college and the whole, you know, we're we're all in 50 different states. You know, it's 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 more important for me to support people in Michigan than it is in Massachusetts. It enables me to do that. Uh, So I am very encouraged by this organization. And I just want to say it's it's very easy to just go online and type in movement.voter.org, and you'll get to their website, and then you can determine for yourself whether you think it's something that you can feel positive about doing. I think that you know one of the things that 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 I have found in in you know that looking at the political landscape is as sort of dreary as the weather is here today, uh, is that by getting out and doing something, taking some action, instead of just 
sitting around and moping about the situation. It actually makes you feel better. Uh, and, and feeling better is worthwhile. And uh, you might actually have some influence. And, and, you know, all of us doing a little bit can make a big difference. Let's, I want to touch on the issue of public sentiment a little bit. Back in mm-hmm. 1950, back in 1953, there were demonstrations all over the world um, to save your parents. Nothing mm-hmm. worked, and Eisenhower was steadfast in his desire to make sure that. They, you, your parents no longer existed. Today, public sentiment, there's a whole segment of people that no matter what Donald Trump does, you know, it's okay. So what's your view on public sentiment yesterday and today? Well, I mean, that's, you know, uh, I think that if you want to look at the, you know, uh, you know, if we want to think of it in terms of angels and demons, uh, mm-hmm. that the public sentiment in the 1950s, the demons were dominated by the demons of the communist conspiracy is going to destroy our way of life, and we, and they're going to, you know, bomb us into submission with their atomic bombs, and uh, we have to circle the wagons and we can't tolerate any kind of dissent because our very existence is at stake. And that kind of, you know, uh, fear mongering worked very well and produced the, you know, there were people who resisted it and that's why there were demonstrations all over the world. But within the United States, the majority of people bought it and accepted it and were governed by that fear. And today we have a different kind of fear mongering. You know, all of a sudden the Soviet Union is no longer the demon. You know, Russia isn't so bad, at least from Donald Trump's point of view. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but we have the, the fear of the, you know, the immigrants are coming, they're taking over our cities, they're raping our women, they're, you know, we just, we, we have the racism, we, whether racism, homophobia, uh, um, uh, xenophobia, all of those kind of fears that, that there's, you know, we have to protect what, uh, what's ours and those people are coming to take it away from us. Uh, that kind of fear-mongering is creating the same kind of public discourse and, uh, you know, uh, basically reactionary uh, political uh, sentiment uh, that among the people who form the core of Donald Trump's support, and that's, that's who they are. So it's the same kind of manipulation, uh, but the... Uh, the sources of the fear are different, uh, but it's the fear that's the common denominator. And, and, you know, it brings me back to Franklin Roosevelt's comment that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And mm-hmm. that is really true, that uh, large groups of ignorant, frightened people do stupid and dangerous things. And that's what we find ourselves in that 
in that box right now. Ignorant and stupid people. That's interesting. Um, what made them ignorant and stupid? Well, I'm not, what you know, made... uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I would not say ignorant and stupid. I'd say ignorant and frightened. Uh, I'll frighten and I think I'm sorry. Made, yeah, yeah, ignorant and frightened. Uh, and, and, you know, we know what makes people frightened. Uh, you know, if you look at people who have been raised in situations where they say, well, you know, we're poor, we don't have much, uh, but at least we're white. Uh, and then they look around and they see that uh, immigrants coming in of various colors, uh, you, you see uh, the diversification on television and in the culture and all of a sudden these people look at their their situation and say my god the only thing i had that i could point to with pride is now being denigrated and my my existence my who i am is is being destroyed and there's very few things more powerful as a goad to action than people who feel that their entire way of life and existence is being threatened. And that's, that's unfortunately what a segment of the population feels in this country. Uh, so uh, that's, and that is a, you know, a remnant of our settler colonialist society that was based upon slavery and uh, dispossessing the Indians, um, uh, native, the native peoples. And you put that all together uh, and you've got a, a, a very difficult situation. Um, but, you know, I think the majority of people actually like the diversity. Um, it's, it's when, when, you know, I, I, I've always encouraged, I, my, my grandchildren live in Brooklyn and we try to go down and, and see them on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, I remember last summer going with the kids who were at that point, 11 and, and, and seven, uh, to the great meadow and prospect park. And you would see thousands of people of all religions, all races, uh, you know, just sitting there together, all enjoying uh, a festive atmosphere, playing games, sitting, talking, picnicking, uh, and not one disturbance, not one raised voice. You might hear a baby crying. Uh, and no policemen in sight and no need and the diversity and the people living together. Uh, it's just a very encouraging scene. Uh, and, and we know that that can happen. Uh, and we know as we face growing adversity, and I particularly, uh, in my mind, think about climate change and, and, and how it's going to result in increased food scarcity and, and, and the problems that's going to cause. Um, mm -hmm. we, the stronger we can make our communities, uh, the, the more diverse we can, uh, make them, the more supportive of people in need we can make them, the better we're going to be able to withstand all these challenges. And, and that's what it comes down to. 
I mean, I think Rosa Luxemburg, uh, the, the great socialist thinker, once said over 100 years ago, you know, we have a choice, either socialism or barbarism. Um, and mm-hmm. I think uh, we, we, are, we are facing that choice right now. Um, and, uh, you know, there were those who philosophers in the 19th century who talked about, well, it was inevitable that the good guys would win. Well, unfortunately, I don't believe in inevitabilities. Nothing is inevitable. Uh, and so we don't know what the outcome is going to be. We are in scary times. But again, there are good projects to be involved in and doing something on the side of good. Is, has never been more worthwhile. So in the final couple of minutes that we have, Robert, what thoughts would you relate to the people listening to this? Well, um, you know, I've been trying to say that, that difficult as things are, let's, let's get involved. Um, that I, I think that that's, that's the course of action we can't we, we, we just we can't afford uh to sit back and mope. Uh much as there's good reason to do so. Uh there's just too much at stake. Um and so that's what I would want to leave people with. That I'm not going to tell them what to do, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say do something. Okay. So as as the election season evolves, I'd like to have you back on Focus on Albany to share your thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. You've been listening to Robert Maripol. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you have a comment about this show, hashtag Focus on Albany. Robert, it's always a wonderful pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Okay, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.